0: my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws then you will live in the land i gave your ancestors you will be my people and i will be your god let's pray heavenly father we just thank you so much for your holy word let us meditate on your scriptures this morning and help us to change our hearts help us to have that heart of flesh and help us to remember the amazing grace that you shower us with each and every day so with that we pray this in jesus holy name amen we <laughs> love you Lord for you are the only one who can save us. we praise you for that this morning in your holy name we pray. Amen.
1: Hey you can have a seat welcome to Common Ground. good to have you all here this morning on this uh, wet and rainy start into our summer and by the way, happy Pentecost. Did you know that? It's Pentecost Day. Yeah, that's a big thing. You know, we talk about the resurrection. That's a huge thing. The crucifixion, that was a huge thing. Jesus' ascension back up to another huge thing. But Pentecost is really huge because that was the thing that really kind of got the church going and changing this world for Jesus Christ. Uh, You'll hear a little bit more about that later during our prayer time as Evan comes up and leads us into that. But uh, my name is Nick. I just wanted to give you a few announcements, let you know some things that are going on uh, this summer and uh, what Common Ground is involved in. And one of the big things is, of course, the motorcycle rally coming up in August up in Sturgis. That is always a huge thing. Now, if you're one of those people that just can't leave town, you're trapped, you have to be here, and you're like, what do I do during the motorcycle rally? Well, here's what you can do. You can host uh, some of our Christian brothers and sisters who are coming all the way from Pennsylvania uh, to be our feet on the ground. Around, so to speak, as Christians during the rally. They're there handing out Bibles, they're there helping people, uh, they're there encouraging people. It's really a great opportunity. And uh we need some host families, and I believe there's a clipboard bouncing around somewhere where you can sign it. There it is. Um So this is the kind of this is what we got. Twelve people are going to be coming to spend that week here at the rally. Five of them are couples, so we need housing, some hosts for uh, four of the couples because one of the couples bring in their RV. They have a place to stay, but they don't have a place to park their RV. So if that's something you can provide, uh, just, uh, let us know that. And then there's a, there's a couple of single guys, uh, you know, a couple of oddballs that we'll need to put somewhere in there. And if you'd love hosting them, uh, just let us know or sign up on that clipboard and, and do that. That'd be a great way to help them out and encourage them. Uh, okay, another thing is the Halawasso workday. The last Halawasa workday was yesterday. Good job, everybody, that showed up to that and went to work. And there might be somebody here going, oh, man, I really wanted to help out at one of those workdays, and I, and I couldn't make it to, to the last one. Well, guess what? There's a last, last one. Okay, uh, so there will be one more before camp gets set up and uh, gets rolling. Camp Palawasa is a ministry uh, to uh, elementary age, middle middle-school-aged, and high-school-aged kids. And uh, they have their own property down by Hot Springs. It's a, a camp that's been going for 40-plus years now. And uh, we've been able to get involved and partner with them. So if you would like to jump in and do one more work day, uh that's coming up on Saturday, July 2nd. And you're going to have to really work because there's a couple things we want to make sure we get done before camp starts. Uh, you can come. It, it starts at 9 o'clock at the camp. Uh, lunch will be provided. Uh, are, are we still meeting the carpool from here? 8 o'clock. Okay, so you can meet here at 8 o'clock if you're not sure where the camp is and carpool down and, and we'll get you there, okay? So don't forget that. Camp Halawasa, huge summer thing coming along. Alright, uh, now, speaking of clipboards, cause there's one bouncing, uh, just a PSA here. We have two clipboards that are missing in action. Uh, our clipboard for, uh, snacks, uh, sign up, and our clipboard for cleanup uh, sign up. Uh, if you happen to have that, I don't know, you took it home with you or something last week or, you know, can you please get that back to us, but make sure your name's on it before you do that. That'll be your penance for taking a clipboard. Now, just, if you can't find the clipboard, you can go to our, uh, planning center app. If you don't have that app, it's a great app to have. You should download that and uh, you can sign up for things to help out here at the church through that app. All right? Uh, so, okay, One, one, one more thing real quick. So this isn't on the announcement sheet. I was gone last week, and now I come back, and there's a bunch of whole new faces here. So I should be gone more often, you know? So this is what I did. I went to Story, Wyoming. Okay, so here's a story about Story, Wyoming. It is cool. It is really a great location. And it's also uh, where the Wild Roman Yanko uh, has its lair. Right? <laughs> okay. So I got to go to Chris's old stopping grounds and we took a couple hikes and things like that and it's fantastic. If you're ever looking for a quick getaway to get up to the big horns or something like that, you should go to story. But go and talk to Chris first because he'll give you some really good pointers about what to do while you're, uh, while you're in there. But anyway, uh, what a great way to get to know one another and that's what we do now. This is our time of social interaction. We always call it awkward. Why? Because we're awkward. Uh, and uh, just go around and go say hi to somebody and ask them where they 're from. Get them maybe a quick story about their hometown. All right, so there you go, uh, up and at them, go say hi to one another. <laughs>
2: I think there's a little bit of a difference. I think there's a little bit of a difference. I think there's a little bit of a difference. I think there's a little bit of a
3: difference.
2: There was difference. the 마음이 너무 아파서 그냥 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 in <laughs> the <laughs> 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 Yeah, there's too much water there. That's what I feel like. So I was like, not like, sick, but like, major moves coming. Everybody died. With us, he was
4: like, this is what we get to do every time we're waiting now. And it was great. It was phase 10. Matching cards in your hand.
0: Yeah.
4: You dropped
0: a bit. My sister in law gave this to me. It's made of aluminum
4: or metal? I don't know either. Maybe like a electric guitar actually makes more sense.
0: Worship That's it.
5: Jesus is not.
0: we just thank you so much for sending your spirit to us. We thank you so much for giving us visions of you and guiding us step by step like a lamp, Lord. You lead us towards yourself and towards your will. And We pray that we'd follow that the best we can. We'd run the race with everything that we have. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Common Ground, you can have a seat. It is at this time that we take tithes and offerings. Um, so I'd like to refer you to the screen. We have three ways to give here at Common Ground. We have a couple of online options for you. Otherwise, we do have a giving box that is in the back corner there by the door. Um, and I'd like to remind everyone that we see giving as an act of worship. Uh, so I'd encourage you to see it that way this morning. So with that, we'll play um, a song called Our Father.
6: Thank you for leading in that time. Uh, we're going to enter into our time of prayer that we set aside in our worship services for the purpose of prayer. Also, Winter, thank you for leading, and happy birthday. I don't know if you guys knew this, but today is horrific. <laughs> well, it's also my father-in-law's birthday, so you share birthdays with him. Yeah. Your singing is much better. Your Russian's not as good, but that's okay. Um, Well, today, as Nick mentioned, um, today is Pentecost, Um, and if you know the story, then you'll know that Pentecost took place and was birthed out of a prayer gathering. I'll just go ahead and read. Um, a passage here today, but what I want to do um, is we're going to do kind of our standard format of prayer time where we open up the floor um, to receive requests because we believe um, that worship is not just something that we watch or that we just experience, but it's something that we're active and we participate in. And so we want to be active in participating in all of us praying, not just someone up front. Um, and it's a way for us to be authentic with one another, um, to share the things that are going on in our lives, um, whether they be good or bad, um, that we can share with the family here. And it's also an opportunity just to approach God's throne. Um, just to approach God's throne with the praises of the things that he's been doing for us, or with requests. These are the things that we are asking for help with. These are the situations we're asking you to change, God. And so this is our time that we do that. And we're going to have a time where Jacob's going to run the mic around. Um, thank you for volunteering there. Uh, the, he's going to run the mic around, and we're going to have a time to take requests there. But first, I just want to remind us, I'm um, kind of the picture of where Pentecost was born out of. So in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so that falling of the Spirit, for the first time, as it was prophesied from the Old Testament and all through Jesus' life, it first took place in a prayer gathering, it took place when they were gathered in one place seeking God's face together. And so that's one of the many reasons um, that we really value this time, um, to seek God's face, to pray, to come close to him. And so would that continue to be forefront on your mind at this time as we hear these requests? Would you be writing these down? Would you be committing them to memory so that we could pray for them all throughout the week? And I usually like to write them down and then I set an alarm on Tuesday or Wednesday of when I'm going to pray for them in the morning. But so with that, I'll go ahead and open the floor up to any requests. Or any praises that you'd like to share?
4: I just, I just wanted to make him run. So, <laughs> um, I am. If you haven't, if you didn't know already, okay, my name is Witcher. will start there. <laughs> Hi, <Highlander. laughs> If you didn't know already, um, I'm planning on moving uh, across the country in three weeks, uh, which is incredibly daunting and scary, um, and there's a lot that goes into that. So um, I just ask for prayers to um, really just trust God and in, in providing for me. Um, providing uh, a home, providing um, safe travels and money and all of the things, friends, um, but just reminding, having, I have a hard time being reminded that I should lay these things down at his feet, these worries and anxieties. So, mm. um, just prayers for that. And also, yeah, prayers for safe travels and yeah. all that stuff. So, thanks.
2: Perfect. I'm Sally, and I'm going to apologize already because I'm emotional. Um, Speaking of Winter and Matt, such a privilege to be um, on the worship team with these two Mm -hmm. powerful leaders today. And we're going to be losing both of them soon. And God has blessed us with their ministry, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss them.
6: Yeah, Yeah. 100%. We've been recipients of... God's grace through
7: them in beautiful ways. It's cool. I'm going to turn the tables here a little bit. My name's Dayton. Um, I have this saw a few weeks ago, but Evan and the rest of the leadership, sometimes I was wondering if it'd be nice to hear from you guys mm-hmm. what your needs are mm-hmm. at prayer time. Yeah both personally and what you see the church
6: needs. Mm, Yeah. Can I start, Nick? Or do you have something? Thanks. Well, one of them, um, as kind of Sally just alluded to, is a big need that we have is we're kind of in the process of hiring a new worship leader and looking for that position to be filled. Matt filled that position in great, powerful ways for a lot of years. Uh, We can't match the pay of a travel nurse, and so you know what? He... uh, (laughs) he's got to think of his family first and he's got great opportunities there for that ministry and so as we're looking um, we're praying for the right person to come in and we're really excited for who that might be and what god might have for us but that's something to be praying for right now um, for our churches who is it who's out there right now that god is preparing and equipping uh, to come into this place and to partner with him in the leading of worship and in the leadership in this church so be praying for that and then do you want to go right now?
1: Anything personal?
6: I mean, that's, that's pretty personal for me. It really is. But uh, another thing, so like uh, today, as I mentioned, it's my father in law's birthday. And so we're going to uh, Zoom the family today, a uh, family that we miss pretty dearly and that we never really have enough time for. So we're going to Zoom them and talk to them and just wish them a happy birthday as well. So that's always good.
1: Uh, thanks, Dayton, for giving us this opportunity. Uh, I would say probably personally is just health it's been a rough year and it seems like my default setting is having some kind of an illness and then every once in a while I break out with feeling good mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've noticed it's not just me, my wife is my and my daughter and my son-in-law and my granddaughter we just seem to be recycling something uh, so yeah, just pray for strength and health uh, for all of us and as far as, you know, ministry, uh, both Evan and I really have a heart for discipleship. And we really want to be set up to uh, really raise up our church family as disciples of Christ to really help you guys and us together uh, grow in our walk with Christ. So I'm praying for a good year of the Spirit just kind of unleashing uh, that within our body and that we'll see that impact the community around us.
8: Hi, I'm Eileen, and last week we prayed for my sister traveling from, moving from Florida to Wyoming, and they made it safely. It was four, 10 hour days of driving in a U haul, so they're happy to be, have landed. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Jamin got, just got sick right there, hearing about that. Yeah, we're happy that she got there. Now she's closer to you guys. So that's great.
4: My name is Antonia, and I would like to ask prayers for um, my friends Simon and Michelle, who just got married last week, Mm -hmm. uh, that they would stay safe while they're gone um, on their honeymoon away from work, um, and that I wouldn't kill their dog while they're gone.
6: (laughs) Oh, are you dog-sitting? Oh, man. All right. Pray for the dog. Yeah, pray for Simon and Michelle as they're off on their honeymoon, and then Tyler and Laura are also off on their honeymoon right now as well. So we have a couple of we went
4: couples out on vacation Hi, I'm Taylor. Oh, that's odd. Um <laughs> I just moved here from Georgia um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm just graduated, so I'm doing, like, the adult thing for the first time. And <laughs> on Monday, we were driving back from Minnesota, and we hit a tornado warning in Watertown trying to drop off his sister. And we drove through a road that didn't look quite as flooded as we thought, and my car is currently on the eastern side. Uh possibly totaled after one day of having it, so that's kind of really stressful right now, but um, just prayers that somehow it dries out and it works, um, and if not, that insurance or something could pull through.
6: Yeah, pray for that. For God's provision, as winter kind of started us off with. I'm glad you guys are safe, uh, driving through that, but that's scary.
4: Well, my mom didn't say anything about this, and I probably will, and I'll probably get emotional too, but... uh, My uh, grandpa, her dad, whom all of you know, Stub Belcher, eh, he kind of had a little dislocation problem with his arm, and he's in a, well, he's resting in surgery, and then they're going to move him to a nursing home in New Mm -hmm. Underwood, close to my Uncle Alan, my mom's brother. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be okay, that's all.
6: Yeah, yeah, praying for Stub. He's going to have to be in a nursing home for a little while, we're praying for a quick rehab that he can be out.
7: Um, I just wanted to praise God. Um, my wife has been given a new opportunity uh, in uh, her social work field to start a new job and keep working with kids and needy families. And she'll hear back this week if she got the job. So just
2: wow.
7: hopefully she, you know, nailed it as well as she thinks she does. So.
5: <laughs>
7: <laughs> and then also, I just would ask for uh, God to intercede and. Touch the heart of my brother Nathan. He's really struggling with um, alcohol addiction and it's really currently getting the best of him and Mm. to the point where it's really medically unsafe for him to continue to drink. And um, so, you know, he could reach out and, you know, uh, make that drink just not worth it for him, you know, and Mm -hmm. help him. That'd be great.
6: Yeah.
3: Just to follow up from last week, uh, our son and daughter-in-law—they had their <clears throat> their child, their son, mm. Thatcher William—and uh, Thatcher, huh? We're excited about that. Uh, the other thing is that uh, I had a kind of an emergency counseling session on on uh, video, and uh, the girl who called, she had been involved with our ministry years ago, and um, she just is struggling a lot and it reminded me again how important the family is she comes from a very broken and dysfunctional family and yet her father was the one who led her to christ and yet he was the one who was Mm -hmm. abusive and uh, so so many things are mixed up in her mind Um, and um, i guess i would just say hey everybody if you have a family love your kids love your kids well because It not only encourages them, of course, Mm -hmm. but uh, it really sets the tone for their understanding of who God is. doesn't matter if you're the husband or the wife. Love your kids well.
6: That's an important thing to be reminded of. And I think we saw a beautiful picture this last week. Mary, if you'd be willing to share now. Jacob, if you could give that to Mary Schmidt right in front of you. Of... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of what it looks like for God to really work um, through family, that, where everything might not be perfect, um, but nonetheless where he still works. So Mary, would you just go ahead and share um, what's been going on um, in, in your first,
8: family? First, um, just to let you know, um, Friday my father did pass away at 9.31. So um, I called Evan and talked to him prior earlier in that day because I had something on my heart that needed to be done and I didn't know if I could do it so this is what came out of that and I am praising God this morning can you hold this <laughs> <Up here. laughs> Um I wrote hurt and forgiveness Friday I had the incredible opportunity to see how personal and powerful God can be when you are down I had the opportunity to personally forgive my guardian father for an evil thing that happened from the ages of 12 to 18 years of age. Years ago, God gave me grace to forgive him in my heart, but I never told him to his face. So my cousin, sister, Diana, called and said he had taken a turn for the worse, so if you wanted to see him, you better get there today. I said, okay, never intending to go, (sighs) Since I had seen him Monday and he looked small and weak. But God in his goodness nudged me and said, you need to forgive him. So I went to the hospital, told him I loved him and I forgave him. And that he could go be with mom and Jesus. Now I can actually mourn the man who helped to raise me to the strong woman I am today. And I can mourn the little girl who was hurt and let go for good. Thank you God. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for all the nudges and the courage and the power to do the right thing.
6: I think we can clap that. (laughs) Amen. God is good. Amen. And I think it's a beautiful thing that here on this Pentecost weekend, as we celebrate just the empowerment of the Spirit and the work that He does in His life. He was doing an incredible work in your life. He was speaking to you and leading you to do something that frankly is not natural and that human beings um, don't do on their own and that is forgive others even of horrible things that they have done. And on this day of Pentecost, we remember that Jesus said in John chapter 15 that apart from me, you can do nothing. And when he said that, he literally meant nothing. Um, But that's why he didn't leave us alone. That's why in so many different situations when it comes to addiction when it comes to traveling across the country for new experience when it comes um, just to all the different things that we go through because of pentecost because of the holy spirit falling and being with us that we are not alone and that we can serve others we can go out into the world to preach the message of forgiveness to to extend forgiveness um, to move into opportunities of ministry that otherwise we wouldn't be able to do on our own to see god do amazing things that he wouldn't be able to or that we wouldn't be able to do without him and one of the main things that the holy spirit does is he sends us out that's the purpose of his one of the main purposes of him in our lives is to send us out on mission and we saw that um, with the disciples when pentecost first happened they were hiding afraid of the roman authorities and from the jewish authorities at the time locked in their room and when the spirit fell they were filled with boldness and courage peter immediately went out preached the message of the gospel to the people around him and then many of them traveled the world sharing this message of jesus and we know that that is that is our goal as well Um, we want to see god's kingdom come as just we sang a few minutes ago and in order to do that we know that we need to use our intelligence we need to use our personalities we need to use the unique um, social spheres that god has placed us in Um, but i think we also have to remember especially as we hear these requests going around that apart from god we can do nothing but the message of Pentecost is that you are not apart from God that there is empowerment to be had for ministry that the Holy Spirit has given us his presence and he has sent us out on mission I want to share a little quote from a book written by Simon Ponsonby um, who's written a variety of books on the Holy Spirit and he said that after writing um, these few books he says this He says, on the topic of Pentecost and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, he says that Blaise Pascal called it a night of fire. Evan Roberts called it a burning in his bosom. John Wesley called it a second blessing. Pentecostals call it the baptism of the Spirit. I used to care what you call it. Now, after all my study, after writing all these books, I don't care what you call it. I just care that you get it. Just get it and get on with it. And I think that's just a beautiful reminder of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives to empower us for ministry, to empower us to see God's kingdom come in this world. And so hopefully you've written down those requests that have just been shared um, so that you can pray for them throughout the week. Um, Because right now, what I want to pray for um, is each and every one of us to turn to God and to ask for his empowerment. Um, Whatever it is that you're sensing God calling you to, maybe it's very similar to Mary. Um, There's someone in your life that you need to forgive. Maybe for you during this time, you ask God to give you the strength and the courage to extend forgiveness to that person. Or maybe there is someone in your life you would love to see freed by the gospel, as Joshua shared. Would you pray during this time that the Holy Spirit would empower you to move towards that person with this message of hope and healing? Or maybe um, there's just something in your life um, where you feel like you have been working out of your own strength, and as Winter shared, where uh, sometimes we need to be reminded to lay it down at God's feet and to ask for him to provide and for him to work Maybe for you, you just lay something at God's feet and you ask for his help, for his power during this time. Um, But we're going to turn to God in prayer. We'll give just a few minutes of quiet prayer on your own. Um, And would you eagerly seek the Spirit? Would you turn to him and would you ask him to do what only he could do in your life? So would you bow your heads and would you pray with me during this time? So Father God, we just thank you for pouring your spirit out on all flesh. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit to do the works that you've called me to do, to extend the forgiveness you've called me to extend, and to be the person you're calling me to be. God, we just turn to you in prayer during this time.
1: So now, Father God,
6: we thank you for being a God who hears us, who has not left us alone. You've given us your spirit of comfort in the difficult times. You've given us your spirit to empower us with boldness and courage to do what we we don't have the courage to do on our own. We just thank you for that. God, now as we turn to your word, um, we just see the high and holy calling that you've placed on us. And we look at it and we go, God, this is impossible. Um, But we know that that's that's the posture that you're calling from us. Uh, The posture to just turn it over to you. To recognize we cannot do it on our own. But to ask for your help to be in relationship and closeness with you. So Father God, I just pray for Common Ground during this time. I pray for all of us that you would empower us with your spirit in new and fresh ways. You would be forming us to look more like your son you would show us a picture in our own hearts in our own faiths of who you are and would you strengthen our faith we know that the holy spirit's role is to show off jesus so would you do that in our hearts and minds and would you do that during this time as we turn to your word um, with your son just be front and center in our hearts and minds so jesus we just thank you we love you it's in your name that we pray Thank you for entering into that time of prayer, for leaning in during that time. Again, uh, if you didn't write down the prayer requests that were shared during this time, I know Zach did, so you can ask Zach, or someone else around you uh, maybe did. Um, But get those requests, and I would encourage you to continually pray for one another all throughout the week. Um, But now, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to transition into our teaching time and if you've been with us for the last few weeks then you know that we are going to be spending all summer in the sermon on the mount and the sermon on the mount is a collection of some of jesus's most important teachings one long sermon of his where if you want to know what jesus is all about you look at the sermon on the mount and you will see those main important repeated messages of jesus that he preached here and last week um, we began with how jesus mentions that his kingdom is is built on these people who are salt and light that the first and the foremost quality of what jesus followers of citizens of the kingdom of heaven are like is salt and light how we play a significant role in the growing of god's kingdom and we play a significant role in the displaying of who god is um, to the world and now this next section of the sermon on the mount that we're going to get into in matthew chapter 5 um, is going to be a bit of a teaching on the bible so to speak Um, Since the sermon on the mount is jesus like central teaching of what it means to be a jesus follower And how his followers live um, Jesus is going to teach them essentially how to approach the bible during this time Um, And so in the next few paragraphs what you're going to notice in the next few weeks Is all of the different teachings of jesus Are actually a lot of them jesus teaching on like the ten commandments and explaining what those mean to us or explaining um, an interpretation on a smattering of old testament passages but jesus begins right here in this point before we get to those other teachings With what I would argue is one of the most important parts of the sermon on the mount for us today And that is just how we even approach the bible and the old testament and what jesus believes about it And I would say that this is essential for us today because as many of us know The bible is often viewed as kind of weird kind of hard to understand during this time, right? but I think it's important that we figure out, well, how do we read this or approach this the same way that Jesus does? Um, Because a lot of people do have problems with the Bible. Um, We recognize that, especially the Old Testament. Um, We often read it and we think, you know, maybe it's just hard to understand. It's kind of strange. Or we understand it fully, but oftentimes we kind of disagree with it. Um, We see some of the rules and the laws that are in it and just how radically different it is from the way that we actually live and think today. Um, Because reading the old testament is basically like hopping on a plane and flying to the middle east a few thousand years ago Um, So it's a very different setting for us And so it's even commonplace for a lot of christians and organizations um, To even just print only the new testament, right? Because why why would you waste all that paper on like all this weird jewish stuff, right? We'll just get the new testament. We can just skip all that old stuff. That's how a lot of people approach it Um, But what we're going to see today um, is essentially what jesus thinks about the old testament And we're going to try to learn um, what is his pattern of reading this and how do we gain an understanding of the purpose of the old testament And how we relate to it in the way that jesus relates to it Because how we read the bible matters And that we read the bible matters When I was a kid, we had a stray cat um, That kind of adopted us just started showing up at our house And we really wanted to feed it and keep it. And so my mom said yes, you guys can keep it and you can feed it but when it came to naming this cat my younger sister, who was a big fan of the movie Cinderella and of the cat from Cinderella, decided that she wanted to name the cat Lucifer. Um, and my mom, who happened to know the Bible a little better than my younger sister, said, absolutely not. We are not naming our cat Lucifer. Uh, the problem is that by that time, my little sister had already been calling the cat Lucifer for like months. And so it thought that's what its name was and it would come to it. And so the neighbors, I think, thought we were a little strange with a little cat named Lucifer. But one of the risks is, of course, if we don't know the Bible, we could accidentally name our cat a synonym for the devil. It was a big risk. Or there was another time um, when a few of some of my friends were having a bit of an argument, a bit of a debate on some social political issues, and one of them was really trying to like use the Bible to defend her position and to defend her political cause and I really kind of disagreed with her and I disagreed with a lot of her use of the Bible and she kept asking me well like doesn't the Bible say this and doesn't the Bible say that and I kept having to say well no it doesn't actually say that (laughs) like you're kind of twisting it in that way and she goes ah whatever well what I do know is that the Bible says if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything (laughs) and I'm like oh man here we go it doesn't actually say that if you didn't know and I don't even know what that means people throw that out a lot of the times but it's important to understand that we don't form our spiritual lives out of just like a random assemblage of like spiritual experiences or just kind of putting whatever we want and determining it through what we think the bible might say but it's actually important that us as christians we receive and we respond to what is written in the book and so today um, we're going to see what jesus thinks about it what jesus thinks about that book and so if you have found your way to matthew chapter 5 we are going to be in verses 17 through 20 today. And we'll have the words on the screen as well. But this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. This is Jesus speaking. He says, "'Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished.' Therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the pharisees and the teachers of the law You will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven Okay Pretty significant teaching there from jesus Um, let's kind of go back through that um, the first thing that I really want us to see um, Is jesus's approach um, To the bible is first and foremost that jesus viewed the bible as god's word That jesus viewed the words in there as god's words for us And now it's important to remember That the bible that we currently have with us uh, Is not the same bible that jesus would have had at that time uh, Obviously since we're reading about jesus. This is like being written at the time So they didn't have any of the old testament They would have just had the new testament um but even then it wasn't like this what's that okay yeah you know what i mean look at that yeah all they had was the old testament they didn't have the new testament it was being written at the time yeah clearly thank you fact checkers here that's always good to have (laughs) um but what you did have is the bible was broken up with like a scroll here and a scroll there and nobody had it in their home it was kept at the synagogue at the time And it was really broken up into kind of three categories if you see how the old testament was broken up There was the first section which was referred to as the law or the torah Or some of you might have heard it called the pentateuch and that's the first five books of the bible Um genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy and that was the torah the law in that first five books Then there's this little section called the writings, which is kind of your wisdom literature, right? Your psalms your minor prophets Were kind of put into the wisdom literature there And then you had the prophets, um, which actually at that time included a lot of the history writings like Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then what we would today think of as the prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, and those sort of things. And it was broken up kind of in this way. And when Jesus says here, he says the law and the prophets, um, that's a phrase that you'll hear him say a lot. And it's a phrase you'll hear throughout the New Testament. And typically what he means by that, by saying the law and the prophets, is the law, the prophets, and everything in between so basically the entire old testament and so anytime you hear that phrase or you read that phrase in the new testament you know that they're talking about the entire old testament And jesus here is saying don't think that i've come to abolish it don't think that i've come to abolish it now if jesus says don't think i've come to abolish the old testament what does that seem to indicate about what people thought he was doing Now you guys don't want to talk you correct me, but (laughs) That people thought he was trying to abolish it or disobey it, right? Um, jesus's teachings at the time were actually so radical that it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way And they thought that he was teaching to disregard it or to change it Um, that he was clarifying what it actually meant And what it actually meant was actually so foreign to the way that so many people at that time interpreted it That they thought he was trying to get rid of it altogether One example is just jesus's take on the sabbath Uh, this is from mark chapter 2 Where one sabbath jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along and they began to pick heads of grain The pharisees said to him look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the sabbath? He answered have you never read what david did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? He says have you never read to like people whose job it was to read the bible by the way Um, In the days of abiathar the high priest he entered the house of god and ate the consecrated bread Which is lawful only for priests to eat and he also gave some to his companions Then he said to them the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath And so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath Then there was another time um, Where jesus was presented with this opportunity to heal a man who had a crippled hand And the religious leaders at the time thought that it would have been breaking the law It would have been disregarding the old testament for him to do this But jesus says this He says if a sheep fell into a well, wouldn't you pull it out? That's the right thing to do And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the sabbath And then jesus healed the man He says hold out your hand and the man held out his hand And it was restored just like the other one And then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. And so obviously the way that Jesus was clarifying what the Bible actually meant was not very popular at the time. They viewed this as a breaking of the law, actually because of their misunderstanding. Jesus's interpretations and Jesus's teachings on the Old Testament was pretty countercultural at that time. But yet he says, it's not going to pass away. I'm not here to abolish it. Which is good And I think that calmed a lot of people down when he said that But I also don't think that's necessarily what they would have wanted to hear because if he says well He's not here to like abolish it or he's not here to disobey it um, Probably what they wanted to hear was i'm here to obey it and i'm here to teach everybody else to obey it Right. It's probably what the pharisees wanted to hear. Um, but instead jesus says that he came to fulfill it Right. He uses this word to fulfill And if you've spent much time in the gospels, then you'll notice that this is a very important theme Especially in matthew's gospel this idea of jesus fulfilling the old testament We're just in chapter 5 here and already in matthew's gospel He has used that word or matthew has recorded that jesus fulfilled something seven times So it's like we're on page five and already seven times Jesus has fulfilled something Safe to say it's an important theme. It's pretty important Um, We know that when jesus was arrested and peter tried to stop it from happening. He said don't stop this this must happen in order to fulfill the writings of the prophets, right? That what Jesus was doing was fulfilling the Old Testament. And it kind of makes sense, and it's easy to understand what Jesus might mean by fulfilling the prophets, right? Like if a prophet says, a future king is going to come, this is what he's like, and he's going to do A, B, and C, and then Jesus comes, and he's like that, and he does A, B, and C, and then says, I'm that guy. That makes sense, right? Jesus has fulfilled that prophecy we can kind of understand that one but jesus actually says that he's fulfilling all of it the law and the prophets so what does it mean for him to fulfill like the law or what does it mean for jesus to fulfill the ten commandments how exactly do you fulfill that well if we're thinking law and the prophets is the entire old testament well one thing that he's essentially saying is all of it is about me, actually? Uh, if we think through the entire story of the Old Testament, the entire story of Israel, um, we know that way back then Abram was born, and God told Abram, turned into Abraham, um, that He would make his family a nation that would be, bring blessings to all other nations. Eventually, they'd end up in Egypt as slaves then eventually god would rescue them from egypt and you know the story of the exodus and then god brings them to the mountain where he gives them his law and he says i'm going to be your god you're going to be my people and we're going to live in this relationship and here are the conditions of that relationship it's the ten commandments this is what it's going to be like and he says i'm going to make you a distinct people group you're my people you're going to be a blessing to the world and he originally he gave them those ten commandments later he would give them 603 more and they had this this law this picture of how they were supposed to live and what it was supposed to be like but then a lot happened between moses and jesus so i think we can summarize essentially what is 1500 years of history with one question and that is okay they were in this covenant this relationship with god how did they do (laughs) mandy gave us a thumbs down (laughs) they failed right um for 1500 years god was patient um god provided chance after chance But the human condition is so fallen that no amount of chances essentially could ever be enough And over and over um, the decisions that the people would make Would lead them to ruin themselves to hurt one another um, To destroy their own land that god had given them And eventually they went into exile and they got kicked out of their land But god had given them these 613 commands um, For a reason and they were good Um, but essentially what jesus is also saying here is that it was given to them for a purpose for a reason and that him fulfilling it is going to lead to kind of a new way to live in relationship to him now we don't just follow him because we keep these commands we actually follow him with our entire lives do you think that means great we get to like ditch the old testament right now which some of us would be like oh, that's really nice. It's really weird and confusing So it would be easier not to have to worry about that. But jesus essentially says not so fast um, He says very truly I tell you And then he made that statement that not even the slightest Brush of a pen that not even the tiniest detail of the old testament would actually be done away with I have fulfilled it But it's not just going away and this is a powerful statement where he says that this the Old Testament is still God's will, even to the tiniest detail. And in saying this, Jesus was kind of critiquing one um the more kind of I guess it was like the Sadducees' idea, um their kind of liberal reading of it where we thought, well, we can just do whatever we want and explain it away. And then there was the more theological conservative way of saying let the pharisees have Well, we can just put all these rules in. it's actually all about keeping it and following all these rules And jesus is critiquing both of saying like no, you need to read this not based on How you can keep it or how you can explain away how you don't need to keep it Or just how far away from messing it up that you do. But jesus says you actually need to read it in light of me He actually says you need to read it in a way that sees me that i'm the fulfillment of it and so jesus is essentially saying the whole old testament is all about him it's all about him and so first and foremost the old testament was god's word and then jesus says that the old testament was also all about me it was this signpost pointing towards me it was a story all about him the old testament was all about jesus and if you were to kind of break down and look at it, um, you'd notice that most of the Old Testament is a lot of story. Um, it's like 43% narrative and story. Then there's a big section of it that's a lot of poetry, a lot of history. Um, and there are a lot of teachings and rules in there. Um, but if you were to kind of break it down and look at kind of the percentage of the Old Testament that really are like rules and commands, you'd be left with around 3% of it. Um, some of which makes sense for a place in time some don't always make sense but what jesus is essentially saying is that all of it was pointing towards me and my coming and he says that those rules a lot of them were put in place for those people to be able to see me for those people to be in relationship with god so that they could be used to bring about my kingdom some of them are for us here now some of them were actually just used for them then the apostle paul He teaches on this in Galatians chapter 3. Where he says that before the coming of this faith. We were held in custody under the law. Under the Old Testament system. Locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. And so the law was our guardian. Until Christ came. That we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. And this word that Paul uses for guardian. Some of your versions might say teacher um, but it's the word pedagogue, and if you went to school for education, um, some universities will refer to education as the uh, or as the the theory of education as pedagogy, right? It's the uh, study of teaching, and this was actually a very specific like job at the time. It was essentially like a nanny or a tutor who had the job of raising up little kids for wealthier families in order to kind of teach them the basics of like hey you need to like brush your teeth and you need to do these things and essentially civilizing them so to speak so that once they're like 13 then the parents who are like okay like i don't want to see this kid until they've got these things figured out and then the parents would kind of take over at the time and that's the way that that culture worked they had these pedagogues they had these tutors these teachers that would raise the kid and teach them sort of the basics of how to function as a human um, and then the parents would take over after a little while. And so Paul in Galatians is using this metaphor to point how the Old Testament commands were this tutor. They were this teacher. It was meant to grow us, to teach us the basics and one of the ways that we can determine, okay, essentially how we can read this is that some of these rules and commands are good for like little kids, right? And we understand that we have different rules for really young children that we do for adults. Like when you're five years old, going to bed at 7 p.m. is usually a good thing. Kids need to be taught, okay, here's a rule, you go to bed at 7 p.m. If you're 25 years old and you go to bed at 7 p.m. every night, then you get up still at like 7 or 8. Honestly, I probably think you're a little lazy. <laughs> I would say like, maybe we should do something with our lives. <laughs> sleep for 14 hours a day. And we understand that that rule in itself is not bad. Going to bed, 7 p.m., that's fine. That's not bad. But it's better for little kids than it is for grown adults, isn't it? And there are a whole bunch of commands like that, especially in the Old Testament. They were great for them then to grow Israel into understanding that, oh, there's a God and he cares about our lives. Oh, there's a God and this is what he's like. And then there are some that are still great for us now, but some of them um, that really aren't. And it, and it kind of takes wisdom and it takes discernment from the holy spirit to know which are which and it takes this strategy of looking at what jesus taught to understand well which ones are still for us now and which ones aren't one of the clear ways that we know this is well what does jesus reteach and affirm and we'll go through the sermon on the mount and he's going to teach and affirm all these old testament truths and he's going to continue to say hey this is still good for you now and then there's some stuff that we were explicitly told we don't have to keep forever right like circumcision eating pork shellfish. I think we're pretty happy about that now new testament says Okay, don't worry about this one now. You can have your bacon wrapped shrimp go for it But for jesus, um, he was essentially teaching the old testament It's living it's dynamic. It's living and active as we know and it's all pointing to me. It was pointing to me It was moving You and moving towards me the, the old testament was all about him all about jesus one of the most famous pieces of art throughout history is the last supper from da vinci Um, and you probably don't have to be an art critic to understand what this painting is about do you if you look at the focus the center point if you look at kind of where all the hand gestures are if you look at where the light is like you didn't you don't have to be an art critic or you didn't have to know that it was quite this huge to understand what this painting is about it's about jesus right jesus is front and center everyone sat on the same table so no one the same side of the table so no one would block him um, all the gestures all the light all the focus is on jesus there in the middle he's the focus of it all and in a very similar way like you don't have to be a bible scholar to understand and to be able to see that the focus the center point of the whole old testament is actually all about jesus as well you can see how some of that imagery is pointing to him it's like focused around him it's built around pointing us towards jesus sometimes it's clear sometimes i mean there are pictures in the old testament that are just clearly about jesus sometimes it's not quite as clear um, especially because a lot of the old testament is narrative and story and so not like every single verse is about jesus because in narratives sometimes they're just trying to add detail for the story Some of those details are just building a story so that the entire story can be about him. But don't look too far into it or every single detail. Um, But sometimes it is a little harder to understand. And it was actually years after da Vinci's original painting when they discovered a lot of sketches or a lot of like the artwork that he had made in preparation for The Last Supper. And these are actually some sketches of The Last Supper paintings before da Vinci finished his final painting. And it's kind of hard to tell what it's about or what this painting is but the people who discovered it knew a lot about the painting itself the original painting the finished product and so because of that when they look at this outline and they just look at these random little sketches they're able to see like oh i know the painting that he made about jesus at the last supper and so these are clearly the exact same figures these are clearly the exact same people this is a painting of jesus at the last supper And in a lot of the ways the old testament is very similar where it's going to look kind of confusing And at times we don't really know what it is a sketch of but actually the better we know the finished product um, The closer we are to jesus the more we understand and we're able to see him Then it makes more sense to us. We can see how it's an outline. It's a form. It's a picture of who jesus is And it's actually understanding and being familiar with the finished product with jesus and his story and what he's like it helps us to be able to see the sketch or the outline that the old testament is And we also know obviously like to appreciate or to make a good story or to make a good movie um, it requires a lot of detail um, a good movie has really well developed characters and a good book, you know Really immerses you in that setting so that you can kind of fully grasp what's all going on um, This last week Lena and I were trying to start the new season of stranger things Um, and we knew that since the last season of stranger things came out in like 2019 uh, We weren't going to remember everything and it was going to kind of take us some time to catch back up And to know exactly what's all going on Um, but we turned on the episode and we're watching it And we were a lot more confused than we thought we would be and our memory was worse than we thought it would be There were these characters that we like didn't remember being introduced to And there were all these like things happening that seemed really really important, but we're like Honestly, I have no idea like who they're trying to find or what they're trying to do And it didn't really make sense to us and then it was kind of towards the end of the episode There was this like big reveal of this bad guy and i'm sorry if i'm spoiling for you But there was this big reveal of this bad guy And we had never even heard of him before And we're like, why is this episode so dramatic? Like we don't even know who this bad guy is like he's just introducing this episode Why is it taking up so much time? And then I just happened to like wave my tv remote around and i realized that i didn't start on episode 1 of the season i accidentally started on episode 6 and so we just jumped like right into the middle of all this action and of course we're confused like who's this bad guy who are these characters how are they able to like solve these problems like that with no information I mean, what is going on and we were still pretty entertained and we thought it was so good it was just very confusing um and kind of in a lot of ways um, the old testament's like that or even just the bible is like that We're oftentimes like we just jump into the new testament We jump into jesus like solving all these problems. And we're like great. That was really fun. But like what wh- where did this problem come? Why is that such an issue? Um, and actually it's the reading of the old testament and it's understanding All that led up to the need for jesus to be that hero and for just the formation of all that was happening in that time um for us to actually get a picture of of what exactly was happening that we can't actually fully appreciate all that jesus was doing like if we don't understand the story it's still entertaining and it's still good but it's actually the more that we're familiar with the old testament and what led up to jesus the more that we can actually appreciate and understand all that he did and just how deep the problem was that he came to solve and so jesus is again reminding us that the old testament's all about me Then it's really important for you to understand it so that you can fully appreciate and understand just what I did Just how big the problem was before I came And I did something about it So we're ahead here on our next point So Jesus viewed the whole old testament as being all about him And when it comes to the bible when it comes to his commands when it comes To everything included in the old testament um, Jesus kind of gives two warnings in this passage He says there are two key mistakes that we can make when approaching the bible One of them is to think that we can't actually live this out To think it's impossible And the other mistake is to think that we actually can live this out that we can't actually do this These are the two mistakes that jesus says that we could potentially make here Because jesus said in verse 19 He said therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly Will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the pharisees and the teachers of the law You will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven So this first picture Or this first mistake I think we can make when it comes to approaching the bible Is one I would say do not think that you can live this out Or do not think that you cannot i'll start with that one Do not think that you cannot live this out because Jesus is clearly teaching that the Bible is still meant um, to be lived and believed and actually practiced. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's longest sermon. It's actually the longest, like, single speech in the entire Bible. And if you look through it, actually one-fifth of the Sermon on the Mount is about application. It's about instruction. It's about doing. Imagine if one-fifth of my lines today were saying, do this, do that. Hey, this week, do this hey, in this week, do that. Hey, in this week, stop doing that. Right? But that's kind of what Jesus says. He is all about practice, practice, practice. He just says this over and over again. That he's driving home the point that the Bible is actually meant not just to be information, um, but it's actually supposed to lead to transformation. It's actually supposed to be lived out. That at some point, you know, we can read this, we can study it, we can take notes, we can nerd out on the Bible Project app all day long, but at some point... Actually, have to live it out. It actually should change us. We have to go out with the Holy Spirit and live this way. And I know that kind of sounds crazy today, doesn't it? Like we actually have to do what the Bible says. It's 2022. We still have to do that. That seems kind of wild. And sometimes I think we will go through these seasons of doubt, and we'll go through these seasons of disbelief when it comes to that. And I think that's just part of the journey of faith. But what Jesus says here is during those seasons when especially following the bible seems hard or when you're not questioning it just don't try to make it not seem like a big deal especially when it comes to the commands of jesus that are hard for us to follow and that we are going to fail in we are continually going to sin even as followers of christ but what jesus says is just because you messed up doesn't mean you set these aside doesn't mean you try to explain why you don't actually have to do that and why it doesn't really matter especially because jesus is the one who offers grace and forgiveness and new mercy every single day jesus says when you fail repent and believe in me you gain nothing from explaining why you didn't need to follow it or why you didn't actually break it it's still meant to be lived out it's still meant to be lived out don't minimize its importance don't try to make it seem like it's not a big deal especially because jesus makes this kingdom life he makes a us able to follow him right us fallen people who just like the israelites if we had 1500 years we still would not follow him perfectly because we live in a broken world with broken hearts but nonetheless jesus still says that because he has come to dwell with us and in us that he's the one who actually empowers us to do this right that should we believe his words well his words are eternal life and he takes residence in us and he walks with us And so when we cry out lord have mercy on me a sinner And we take seriously his commands But yet acknowledge Our failure in it acknowledge that we haven't lived up to it What he's looking for is just for us to cry out lord have mercy on me Lord forgive me Because jesus says unless you exceed the righteousness of the pharisees Well, that's why he offered us His righteousness. That's why he offered us the chance to just turn to him To ask for forgiveness to just turn to him and ask for his righteousness on us not our own work here That he's actually the one who empowers us to do it But yet he continues to tell us To take it seriously don't minimize this just because it's difficult See this see the standard i've held you to When you don't live up to it turn to me and you ask me And so it's don't think that you can't live it out Because In partnership with jesus in in following of him Because of god's spirit that's living in us that we can actually show the world what this kingdom life Is about we can't actually show a picture of What following jesus looks like But a son with him And this the second point on this topic is don't think That you can do this Don't think you can't live this out, but don't think that you can do this Because don't think that you can do this alone or apart from jesus Jesus brings up two groups of people in that little section I just read. He mentions the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Um, So the teachers of the law, um, they were this basically professional group of Bible scholars. Um, If you've ever read the entire Bible, which is totally cool if you can't. I know a lot of people talk about reading the whole Bible in the year. I've never been able to read the whole Bible in a year. I follow like a two-year or three-year process. But if you read the entire Bible, you'll realize it's really complicated and complex and hard to understand. And so these scribes these teachers of the law their full-time job was to study and to know the bible That's all they did And there's this group of pharisees um, Who were a larger group they were kind of like a denomination um, Within judaism at the time And you probably already have a picture of pharisees in your mind They're like those mean nasty religious bigots and they were kind of like the villains in the gospels And that's part of the picture, but that's not the entire picture Um, The pharisees were actually very well respected in their community People loved them and they loved their passion for the torah, especially Um, And people actually wanted to be like them According to the jesus storybook bible, which I have finished that one in a year The pharisees were extra super holy people Extra super holy people on the pharisee. It literally means separatist And during a time in which jerusalem was taken over by roman oppression These people who lived as explicitly jewish when they were living under oppression was really inspiring for a lot of people around them. and so when people saw the pharisees act as separatists just to unashamedly follow the torah to this extent even when rome was present frankly a lot of people looked up to to them and they liked them a lot Um, and here are just a few of the priorities of the pharisees as well as we look at what they were about and some of their main goals we see that they took scripture seriously they sought purity they tithed they committed to making disciples the pharisees met in small communities small groups to study scripture they observed the sabbath uh, they believed in the resurrection they believed in miracles and angels and they expected the messiah right this is what the pharisees were about oh, does this sound like anyone to you obviously apart from like the tithing and the sabbath part does this sound like anyone <laughs> no one laughed at that awkward <laughs> this sounds a lot like us right Um, These are a lot of our same goals These are a lot of the same ways that we pursue righteousness and that we pursue God today But the problem is that oftentimes we misunderstand what the priority should be And like what the pharisees did is they were just pursuing these things in terms of behavior or external like showing off of righteousness But the righteousness that jesus is talking about is a whole different level It's not just your behavior. It's not just what you show to other people Jesus actually was essentially saying you're going to need a new heart You're going to need completely new nature You're going to need new desires not just new behaviors Just as the passage that matt read during worship He actually promised to do that He promised to be the one to give us A new heart not just that we would fix our behavior but that we would be a people who want to be near him because especially as we get through a lot of the sermon on the Mount, jesus is going to point out that most of the laws were facing something more serious within the human condition you know there's the law to not murder but jesus says hey this is about the hate that we have for one another in our hearts the pharisees didn't quite understand that they didn't quite understand that they couldn't do it they thought that they could do this on their own just by fixing their behavior And they kind of had good intentions um, when it comes to doing that. The Pharisees actually believed, as they looked back at Israel's history, that sin leads to bad things. And they believed that sin is what led to the exile. Sin is what led um, to Rome taking over. And so they believed that if they could get everyone in the nation to not sin for one day, then the Messiah would come back and everything would be good. So they were really wanting to build this up so that for one day, no one could sin. But because they didn't understand that this wouldn't happen from rules, this had to happen from Jesus in his spirit giving us new hearts and directing us, they just made a lot of rules. They just made all these different religious codes. they worked to manipulate and to shame people into following. and it became really ugly. And what they actually did is God had given them the law and they built what they called a fence around the law. So like if the law is not to work on the Sabbath, um, well, then they're going to build a fence, you know 100 yards away from that lodge, so that no one can even get close to it And so they made 39 different categories of what work means And then each of those categories of work had its own little subcategories and these own little Explanations of how not to even get close to working A lot of the like definitions that they had were really kind of silly like how many steps you could take How many letters you could write how much food you could have in your mouth at one time? And then how many times you could chew that food. Um, And they were really just intense about putting the barrier as far away from the law as possible and just manipulating everyone's behavior in this way. But as you can imagine, if the Sabbath is about rest and you have like thousands of different things that you have to make sure you do in order to rest, nobody's resting. You're always just worried about what am I breaking now? Is this too much pizza in my mouth at this time? What about the temperature of the food? I feel like I'm trying to cool it down. But they put all these rules on the people because they thought that they could just change them with the external They didn't understand the need for a new heart They didn't understand that we can't do this without god that we can't do this without the holy spirit Jesus told this parable in luke chapter 18 He's reminding us that we actually need a heart that is changed And this is The heart posture that he's looking for here in luke chapter 18 He says, well, so to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, not like robbers or evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what Jesus is reminding us here is do not think that you can do this. Do not think you can do this on your own. That actually the posture that Jesus is calling us to it's that posture of the tax collector here a posture that approaches god says have mercy on me a sinner i have not followed your ways perfectly but i acknowledge that and i want your help And i think often our risk is to think that we can be like the pharisees that we have the resolve we have the discipline um, we have the stick to just do this and we don't and what happens when we do that is what we'll want to do is just place all these codes all these rules all these manipulating principles on people or on ourselves and to try to live like the pharisees there and what jesus is saying is that that's not at all what i want and especially when it comes to your approach to reading my word here don't think that you can do this on your own but we can only exceed the pharisees in righteousness because jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets right that's what jesus said i have fulfilled then you can exceed and if if the goal is to exceed the righteousness of the pharisees like you said there well it's only done because he has done it for us and the call that we have on us is just to repent and to believe just to repent and believe because jesus has come he's offered us forgiveness he's offered us his righteousness and hope that no matter how many times that we fail that we don't live up to this that he's right there with us powering us And leading us in his ways. So when it comes to our approach to the Bible. Jesus views it as God's word. So I think we should too. And Jesus tells us it's all about him. Everything is pointing to him. And the more we familiarize ourselves with him. The more we'll be able to see him in it. And the more we familiarize ourselves with it. The more we really understand all that he has done. And then as we look at this complex complicated testimony from the holy spirit to us know that you can live this way don't think you cannot don't minimize it but don't think you can do it on your own but this is something that god is telling us you need a new heart to do just repent and believe and follow me let's pray so father god we just thank you for your patience we thank you for your grace that that we have not always been faithful to you that you are always faithful to us and that we can come to you over and over and say god have mercy on me a sinner and that you have just turned towards us in love and forgiveness no matter what we do so we just thank you for that god over this next week would you just continually lead us by your spirit um, to know what it is that you're calling us to in this life to know um, the commands that you've put in our lives for good to know what it is that we might be putting on ourselves or on others that is not of you that you are calling to correct here. Because, Jesus, our desire is to know you and to be like you. So would you just continue to to form that in us? We ask for a new heart, a soft heart today. You give us a heart that wants to follow you, wants to be close to you. Give us a heart that's courageous enough to do it. It's Jesus you tell us that when we're close to you, when we abide in you, there will grow fruit so god we just we enter into your presence during this time we just thank you for forgiving us in a way that allows us close into your presence we just turn to you in worship and praise now jesus it's in your name that we pray amen today would you receive the words from ezekiel chapter 36 again as a blessing god says i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws and then you will live in the land that i gave your ancestors and you will be my people and i will be your god so common ground church grace and peace have a wonderful week i